Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Amy. And this is Monumental, a small show about the big things God does in the lives of ordinary people. Earlier this year, we heard the story of how Tracy came to faith despite all worldly odds as she grew up in a home where she was physically and sexually abused. That episode ended with her coming to faith and how she discovered that God is the answer to life regardless of the circumstances. Well, today, Tracy joins Amy and I again to tell how her story continued. She shares how following her growing up years in an abusive home, she struggled with the sin of anorexia and how she came to forgive the people who abused her. Hear Tracy's account of God's fatherly love and protection. So my struggle with disordered eating started as a very small girl in a home where mealtimes were chaotic and and laced with fear. My stepfather would become angry when I would hum at the table, and my mother was very guarding with food and kept a lock on the fridge. And so these things were not the best foundation to having a healthy relationship with food or my body. So mealtimes, did, did you have regular three I meals have, a day? I have no idea. I have no memory of that. I mean, I, I only remember suppers. Right, because that's when my mom's husband came home, and we all right. sat down together. Yeah. And during the day, I just I have doubt very little that she was yeah. really always attentive yeah. to our needs. So yeah, yeah. So even though these things happened when I was small, that distorted my relationship with food. They are no excuse for the sin of starving my body, and I don't want to give the idea that that I had no choice. Mm-hmm. My response was my response and and God used it, but it was still sin. Mm-hmm. So initially your relationship with food was not a body image issue. When mm-hmm. did it become that for you or a control issue or what was the the turning point, I guess, from your relationship with food becoming sinful? Right, right. So food became connected with my body when I was 17. And it's interesting because to that time in my life, I don't know that I really felt the lack of food. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just Mm -hmm. seemed like something on the outside. It was a minor player in my life. There was always something else I was focusing on or more worried about. And I I didn't recognize how abnormal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I did recognize even before 17 years of age that I was uncomfortable in a normal meal setting Uh, that I recognized I couldn't have told you why and Mm. so I really struggled with eating a normal meal Mm. uh, even when they were presented to me at people's homes or you know Mm. my friend's house or church get-togethers there would be meals Mm. and so I did struggle uh, in those situations but it wasn't connected to my body it was just connected with abundance Mm. Uh, not having Mm. and then having was very difficult for me to accept as normal. And I I was very humbled and I mm-hmm. felt so privileged sometimes to be at these meal tables with these wonderful, lovely foods. And then somehow mm-hmm. it just morphed into just not being deserving of that or worthy of, of mm-hmm. that. And so at 17, uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, I have been out of my mother's home for two years at this point, living with other people and, and they're normal eaters, you know, they have regular meal times and 
they have variety in their diet. And so my body changed over the course of about six months. I went through a delayed puberty and <laughs> looked looked more like a woman. You know, I looked yeah. healthy. And, and um, so it was fine. I honestly was not disturbed by it until one day I saw myself in the mirror as I was getting dressed. And it, for a few seconds, it was my mother. And it terrified me. Mm. I just wanted to get away and so all of a sudden, that's where it started, the war with my body. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I knew to change it, to get away from my mother, was to lose the weight that I had, had put on. Mm-hmm. So I, that started my struggle with uh, anorexia. And um, very quickly, I, I dropped, dropped that weight that I had gained and more. Um, so what did it look like for you? How did this, how right. did it change for you? Right. So, you know, I'd been living in these homes where mealtimes were normal. And um, so my response, of course, was to run back a little bit to what I had known before. Mm-hmm. So I just, I didn't eat as much. I The next day I just skipped breakfast and I exercised instead. Uh, that continued for maybe a week. And then um, the next uh, step to make sure that I was continuing to lose was I just, I didn't eat lunch. I would skip breakfast and lunch and just exercise longer in the mornings. And then I would just eat supper. And so very quickly uh, I lost the weight that I had gained. And then um, at this time I'm, I'm dating my, my, what will be my husband mm-hmm. and his family. They become a little concerned at the rapid weight loss mm-hmm. and they ask me about it. And they were very gentle and it was enough for me to see that uh, they were concerned. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any um, anger or pressure from them. Just their concern and their love, and it was a very sweet thing. And mm-hmm. it was enough. Uh, I just, I had started to be aware that my decisions uh, were controlling me. That mm-hmm. that I could not eat breakfast. So it, when it started, I mm-hmm. I was the one making the decisions. And then, you know, after I dropped so much weight and I really, really struggled with changing these these habits and mm-hmm. these patterns. Mm-hmm. And so... Did you know these things were wrong? Did you know it was wrong to not eat? Honestly, at the time, none of that seemed wrong to me. It okay. was It was... It was how I was feeling safe. It, yeah. it seemed like yeah. a good thing. You know, there's the verse in the Bible that in Proverbs 14, 12, and again in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And honestly, I I felt like this was a right way. It, it was meeting so many needs mm-hmm. that I had. And uh, other until my, my boyfriend's parents expressed concern, mm-hmm. I, I was not checked. I didn't mm-hmm. have any internal... Um, so that helped for you when they said something is that did did it click with you then oh this is wrong what I'm doing or was that just actually what I felt was wrong was that I had grieved them yeah Mm -hmm. I was gonna say it almost sounds more like just the security of their love and their concern for you was Mm -hmm. so refreshing that you wanted that more than yeah you know, food or losing weight or not looking like mm-hmm. mom, that that was what was 
compelling you to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was I, enough. Mm-hmm. It was enough to, to try to, yeah, yeah, to to not worry them as much, right? And right. so yeah. um, I was able to change some of the habits and eat, you know, just eat a little more the next day, right? And then eat a little more the day after mm-hmm. that and just continually kind of add more food in and <laughs> decrease the exercise. And mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. gain it all back. Uh, I did gain enough, though, to, to put me, you know, in it back in a healthier weight range. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, were, was the scale, was were numbers your measurement, or was it you were just continuing to look in the mirror and say, do I look like my mom today? Right, right. Or, so at 17, honestly, um, scales and numbers were not a big part of it at that point. Um, it was just until I felt comfortable. And mm-hmm. I think I was just starting to get into where it was going to be about the numbers when his parents mm-hmm. um, spoke mm-hmm. up. And so I'm very grateful that uh, that I was able, you know, that the yeah. Lord helped me through them to to turn away from yeah. that mm-hmm. destructive pattern. So um, how long then did you do well until yeah. it became yeah. a struggle again? So looking back, I would say there were still some irregularities and abnormalities with how I viewed food and, Mm -hmm. and, but for the most part, I was able to eat normally and I fed my children, you know, three meals a day and snacks. And so So you and Brian, you ended up getting married. Yes. So my, my boyfriend is my now husband. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What sweet in-laws you gained. Yes. Yes, for sure. I definitely did. His parents have been like parents to me. Mm. So um, I I would say from that point, life went on mostly normally. Uh, there were certainly some challenges that Brian had to deal with uh, with me for some of the things that I had experienced growing up. We had many late nights talking mm. uh, about these things, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. he was very patient. I didn't struggle again with anorexia until many years later. After three children <laughs> and the demands of working outside the home uh, and mothering those three children and, and being a wife to my husband, um, you know, earlier at 17, it, it there was the very physical fear of looking like my mother. But then now at 33, 34, I am still seeing my mother, but it's not always physical. It is emotional and it mm-hmm. is wrapped up in disciplining my children and mm-hmm. when I'm angry or impatient with my children and I feel so frustrated and I want to yell at them and sometimes I did yell at my children all of a sudden I'm my mother mm-hmm. and so again that that awoke that desire in me to not be my mother mm-hmm. and and the only way that I knew to do that was to change and at that point, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't focused on tackling the the real things that needed changed, mm-hmm. like my impatience or my exhaustion or uh, my lack of knowledge of what good discipline is. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the real problems, but I didn't see that at the time. Instead, mm-hmm. I just did not want to be my mother, and yeah. so I was trying to resolve that conflict and and run from anything that reminded me of her. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, and it wasn't a connection that I made consciously. You know, mm-hmm. these were all warring within me every day, these failures as a mother and mm-hmm. the stress of working outside the home. And then um, 
any change in my body, I've always been very sensitive to. And so I think that that is a point that, that you have to be aware of in yourself. If, if that is a struggle for you, um, then you need to be aware that that could be a weak spot. Um, and so for me, any changes, just a few pounds one way or the other, um, I would be very uncomfortable with. And so I just remember one new year thinking, okay, I just need to eat a little healthier and I need to just exercise more. Um, I had went from a pretty active job to a desk job and I felt like Mm -hmm. there were some body changes that came with that. I wasn't super thrilled about. Again, we're talking about someone who is a normal, healthy weight. Mm -hmm. I, I had no reason to To go on any sort of diet plan. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, this this was this was when it reawoke in me, and so mm-hmm. I started it the same way I did when I was seventeen. I um, started skipping breakfast and exercising in the morning instead, mm-hmm. um, and then very soon I'm not eating lunch either. I'm exercising over my lunch break, and then I'm going home in the evening and making a meal for my family and trying to eat as little at the supper mm-hmm. table as possible. Um, did your family pick up on that? So not in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, because of my work schedule, my husband didn't see me all day until supper. Right. So it was a very right. easy thing. For people um, to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, after about 15 pounds of weight loss, he was noticing there was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but by then, I was, I could not. You had gotten pretty I c- deep in it. I couldn't <laughs> stop it. The The mm-hmm. mental uh, strain of of holding to these rules every single day. Um, What rules? So, I mean, I had to do the exercise. I had to not eat breakfast. I had to. I mean, everything was very compelling, and it was a very black or white, right or wrong. I've got to do this, right, to to be good as a mom, to to have a healthy body, to not get diabetes. You know, there's a strong family of diabetes in my – or strong family history of diabetes in – my mother's side, especially. And, you know, I had that fear. I did not want to become diabetic. Um, And so there's all these things that seemingly, you know, I can avoid if I just have control in this one area with with Mm -hmm. food and with my body. I started seeing a counselor. He specialized in eating disorders. And so I started seeing him once a week. Mm -hmm. And he would just talk a lot about a healthy body and what that looked like and, you know, kind of warning me of the dangers of of not eating enough and not taking care of yourself and did he make any reference to um what you were doing as sinful bad oh no no we talked a lot about my childhood and some of the the things that I had suffered and I I believe that he was aware of a connection between um those experiences and the situation that I was in now we didn't talk about food as much as you would think, <laughs> uh, you know, other than he would try to urge me to eat just a little bit more the next day or to, you know, break some of these patterns I was in. And mm-hmm. he, he was not a believer so far as I know. Um, his goal was focused just more on physical wellness and Action. reacting, mm-hmm. you know, in different ways. Yeah, 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 reacting in different ways to um, the emotional challenges mm-hmm. that I was having at the time. So I continued going to him and I was faithful. I didn't miss my appointments, but honestly, it was just going in one ear and out the other. And mm. 
I remember making a few, yeah, we'll try, you know, but I, I just could not. Mm. I, I really would mean it when I would tell him that I would try to do better, mm. you know, and eat mm-hmm. more. But then when I'd come you back. walk out and, of his office. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, because yeah. what was warring in me was so mm. much stronger um, and not wanting to fail. And to me, I was wrapping up, you know, the weight loss and the numbers on the scale and the tape measure and how many calories I had consumed that day, those were all signs of success to me. Mm. And if I, if I was not seeing changes in those, then I was failing. And it just was a very dark uh, place to be very um, blind and Mm -hmm. hopeless. I mean, my life was just cut off. You, you could say I was living, but I was not really living it. My, the scope of, of my focus and passion was just centered on on just wasting away, just making mm-hmm. my body as small as possible um, and not aware at all of what I was doing. Not It never occurred to me that you could die from, mm-hmm. from this, like never. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did it become, yeah, so severe that, that you, you or Brian realized this is not cutting it, we need right. more help? Yeah, it's hard for people that know me now who didn't know me then to understand what it might have looked like. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, there's animation, mm-hmm. you know, in my mm-hmm. face and my eyes are bright and I smile and yeah. I make good eye contact and I'm genuinely engaged in yeah. conversations with people. Mm-hmm. But all of those things during this time in my life, they were gone. I, I mm-hmm. could not, um, there was no brightness and I never smiled. And, uh, would not hold eye contact very long and there were no outward focused conversations. Mm. My world was just very um, centered and focused on me, very small. Mm. Yeah, one of the phrases that was that I commonly heard was, you know, it's not about the food, <laughs> right? Like this mm-hmm. struggle is not about the food yeah. and we make it about the food, right? I mean, right. to me, that's all it was, right? Food's the enemy and, yeah. but right, it was really a war within and that was evident in my face. And so Mm -hmm. um, what's in the heart of a man, you know, it will come out Mm -hmm. in your speech and it will come out in your eyes and your face. And so it was a very dark time. Um, The therapist actually that I was seeing recognized that there was no improvement. Uh, I was just getting worse. I was still continuing to lose weight. I was not changing any of my habits. Um, You say you keep losing weight, you keep losing weight, you keep losing weight. Mm-hmm. How much yeah. weight did you lose, or how much did you weigh? <laughs> how much were you? Yeah. Were you? So I think when I started um, in therapy, I was probably just 110 pounds, um, but I had already lost 15 at that mm-hmm. point, and so at this point, I think I was down another six pounds, so probably around 104. But I'm also, you know, I'm blacking out at home before work because mm. um, I'm getting up and exercising like right away. And yeah. uh, and I even was blacking out at work. And so, you know, he told me I needed to go into a residential facility for eating mm. disorder treatment. When you heard that, mm-hmm. were you like, okay, yeah. Or were you thinking this is, yeah. I don't need that. Or where were you? Um, I just told him I couldn't, you know, no, I, I didn't. I couldn't. I work. You know, I mean, there were so many reasons, right? Yeah, Any excuse mm-hmm. I can find. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. You know, I said that a lot. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I really thought I was. The, I, the blacking I mean, out was yeah. that not a, a yeah. red flag. like a red flag to you? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, maybe this is or were you not serious? Letting you know, it's fun. You would think people. that it should have been a red flag. I did not attribute it to not eating. 
It, that's how twisted and mm. just off yeah. my perception was. I would say, oh, I just stood up too fast or, you oh, know, okay. oh, I, you know, I don't know, I'm tired or any other reason yeah. than the fact that I'm starving my body and mm. it doesn't have enough energy to maintain itself. So, no, I, my fear about the blackouts were, oh, I just want to make sure no one sees them. I want to make sure nobody notices I want them to be hidden, you know, so they well, don't. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just you know, you didn't I, you didn't think that it had to do with your yeah. eating, and yet you didn't want other people to, to notice. Know. Yeah, you don't want to change. You don't want to be stopped from what you're <laughs> right. doing. Yeah. You know, I didn't want anyone to to check me or to to force me. Yeah, his suggestion was he talked to my husband, and Brian agreed that that's probably what I needed. He didn't know how we could make it work, not mm. having income for, for months. And um, mm. I just was refusing at that point. And God God used my boss, actually, at the time, my employer, to tip the scales, uh, so to speak. <laughs> he, um, My boss just pretty much came to me one day and said, Tracy, you know, you need to do this. And uh, So they were noticing. I think my boss and my husband were actually in communication, and um, I'm pretty sure they were probably checking in. I mean, you have someone who is clearly unwell, and you know, I don't, I don't think I had told my husband about the blackouts. I think my boss knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my boss knew because I was late one day to work. I'm pretty sure they were talking, and I didn't know that at the time. And so my boss just came to me one day and said, you know, you need to do this. And I said, I can't. I can't be off work that long. And he told me, Tracy, if you don't do this, I will fire you. Mm. You will lose your job. And that was what I needed. Yeah. Because the the last thing I was clinging to was that I needed to bring in income for our family. Yeah. And if I'm going to lose my job anyway. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So was he saying that because like you're killing yourself. I can't, yeah. I can't have you under my responsibility. And you, yeah. that was, okay. yeah, That's we didn't, how he was we didn't that. have a, we didn't have a big conversation, but I took it to mean the latter. How old were your boys? I remember you said yeah. Mac was like 10. Yeah. Liam would have been about eight and Finnegan would have been like four or okay. five. Yeah. Four. So your husband took you to treatment. Yeah. It was the day after Thanksgiving in 2011. Um, he drove me to, to Missouri. The process is that you go and you're evaluated and, you know, they check vitals and they do blood work and ask you questions. And I remember just being grilled by, you know, these panel of people and they're just asking me about my day, right? You know, my habits and what I'm doing mm-hmm. and, and uh, or not doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, it just took hours. We were there all day and you're just waiting to hear what they're going to do. You know, are they are they going to admit you? Are they going to send you home? Why would they, mm-hmm. you say, admit, either admit to the facility mm-hmm. or send you home? Yeah, and there were other options, which I didn't realize. I, You know, the whole time I'm sitting there and we're waiting and we're waiting, I'm thinking, they're just going to send me home. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm fine. There's so many, you know, other people that, because at this point I've been in the hallways, right? I've seen right. Mm-hmm. the other people that are there. And, you know, one of the things with this with this problem, you, you compare and you're constantly comparing mm-hmm. your body to whatever you think you need to be. You're comparing your well, body and with you're not seeing your bodies. own body accurately. Either. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And so just as worried as I was for some of these yeah. girls I was seeing walking around, you know, they were they were thinking the same thing of me. Yeah. Right. They were just as concerned <laughs> sizing each other up. But everyone, <laughs> but, of course, yeah. is thinking they're too big, yeah. right? And right. much bigger than the person next to them. I mean, it really is a, a mental mm-hmm. it's a mental condition and your perception is very wrong. Yeah. And 
and abnormal. And so we were there all day and the, the panelists did decide to admit me. And, you know, I got one phone call every night with my husband. And so I would kind of rehash my day with him. And I remember talking with him. I don't know if it was the next night or a couple nights later, but telling him how I thought, you know, they were just going to laugh me out of there and they were just going to send me home. And, you know, my husband had a better uh, grasp on the real situation because a he's not starving himself so his brain is working properly <laughs> and you know he is hearing conversations that I'm not privy to and so he just said Tracy no honey they were deciding whether to admit you there or to send you to the hospital so even my reality of what the real decision was was wrong right, you know they right. they why were, the hospital can you um, explain that they just thought I was too unstable you know that I was my weight was too low and um and were you having organs starting to shut down or things like that? I mean, not that I knew of. I mean, unless the blackouts yeah. were, were just a warning sign yeah. of that. One of the things they do when they were considering whether to admit me or not at that facility, they do do blood work. And so, um, and, and God used something as simple as a blood test to show me that, yes, there is a problem. You know, in another phone call to my husband, he told me about the blood work and that they, they were worried that my heart... Uh, or kidneys were, they were on the brink of failing. Mm. And so, you know, those numbers, you can't justify those. I can't look at those numbers and say, oh, um, there's not a problem here. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 And so to realize, wow, my heart could fail my kidneys. What? Mm. I mean, it was just, it was shocking to me on one hand. Mm. Um, Honestly, God used it because I'm a mother. I have three children at this point Mm. and I'm I don't want them. I don't. I alternately don't want to be my mother, and I'm running as fast as I can from those things, and I'm just filled with so much fear, and there's a lot of darkness in me, and so there are times I'm just really struggling with living. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have these children and my husband, and I don't want them to have to live without mm-hmm. me, and so it it forced me to start thinking about to start connecting life and death with the decisions I was making every day about food and exercise. Because um, I had never, ever to that point considered that this would kill me yeah. or that it could. Right. Um, so that was really the first thing that was like light yeah. on for you. Like, this yeah. Is yeah, I do serious. have a problem. There's yeah. something wrong here. Yeah. Um, so what were your days like in the facility? How mm-hmm. long were you there? I think it was six, six weeks at least. It might have been eight, eight weeks. So about two months, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um literally there is no warm-up period you they don't ease you into eating Mm -hmm. you are immediately presented every day with three meals and snacks and you're expected to eat them and there's no you can not eat but then your option is you're going to have to drink uh, ensure in the sufficient amount to reach the calories of the meal that you refused or they'll just put a feeding tube in Mm. or even send you to the hospital if you refuse too many meals so but you asked about what a day looked like. And so um, you had to sit at a table with other people who are struggling with different types of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, you know, daily meals and snacks and you were not allowed to exercise. So suddenly, like, there's no exercise. You can't even get up and walk around after you eat. You are expected to just sit. And I remember that was the hardest, hardest thing because at mm-hmm. this point, you know, I, for months, a year, I'd been exercise I've been running if I year. had to eat I would run like after yeah. my meals in the evenings at home I would go out and run suddenly there's none of that and I mean they will pin you in the, the therapist and and other people would just gather around you and not let you leave the building and and that was very hard um the worst part for me was 
monitored bathroom trips. You could not take a shower on your own. You could not go to the restroom on your own. Um, because you're so unstable, mm-hmm. you know, you're hemodynamically unstable, they're worried you're going to black out with any change in position, and they don't want you to hurt yourself. Um, also, depending on the type of disordered eating, they're worried you're going to vomit your mm-hmm. food up. Um, they're, they're trying to help you. They, mm-hmm. they were not trying to hurt me. Um, but it was very, very hard and sure. very humiliating on a lot of levels. And, you know, my sin drove me to this. It, I earned every bit of that, and it was hard, uh, but it was a necessary work. It was a good work. I quickly realized that in addition to the blood levels that were that were so off in me, the the more I had to sit through a meal or a snack and actually eat it, right? Like that was so incredibly hard for me, and I quickly realized that that was a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like this. I could not have started eating more on my own. I could not because the mental uh, the mental struggle with it was not something I could handle alone. It took literally all these people mm-hmm. to force me to eat and then not not reverse it through exercise and then um, sit with those awful feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And of course the the therapy there was geared toward different coping strategies and it was a very uh, secular approach to, you know, I almost felt like it was just distraction, you know, go take, a, well, we couldn't take a walk then. When you got mm-hmm. more stable, you could, but um, you could listen to music or you could crochet or you could, you know, read a book mm-hmm. or, you know, it was all about finding other ways and other things to run to. Yeah. And none of that appealed to me. And a lot of times I just would pray and cry out to God and ask him to help me. Um, with those feelings, you know, and I'm in this place where my church, I don't have my church. I'm not even able to go to church at this point. And, you know, I did have my Bible. I was able to to read my Bible. And so those gave me the most comfort. So when you were there, were they, they weren't really in the counseling helping you retrain the way you thought about eating or things like that. They were giving you distractions. So what was the end goal? I mean, to get you to a healthy weight again and then to Right, right. Well, so let me correct that a little. The the distractions were more of um, how to cope after you'd eaten. And so the therapy sessions were focused on... um, what a normal amount of calories is and you know what your what you should weigh for your height and age i mean they were trying to teach you um an accurate way of looking at your body but through exercises in the therapy session um they would try to show you how off your perception was i remember one time they had me draw like my body the whole outline like what i thought basically the space that I took up mm-hmm. and then they line you up against the wall and they draw you right they draw your real outline and of course it's always off you know mm-hmm. I what they drew which was the real outline of my body fit four times and again right inside mm-hmm. what I had drawn so those types of exercises were valuable they mm-hmm. helped me visually see yeah. that my perception was not was matching up with way with reality. Yeah. God used the residential facility to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not have absorbed some of the truths and things that would come later until I was restored physically. And so to me, that's what that was all about, was mm-hmm. getting me 
um, to a better place physically. I Unfortunately, I was not able to eat enough to gain weight. I actually kept losing weight in the facility, and so they had to put a feeding tube in, um, which was a very traumatic experience <laughs> mm. for me. Um, and the nurse was not very kind, um, but the feeding tube was so necessary because it really turned the corner. They, mm. they were probably not going to be able to keep me there and have to put me in the hospital. Um, but the feeding tube day and night, I wore it all the time, the whole rest of the time I was there. Um, mm. And it helped my body start to gain weight. Wow. So, hmm. yeah. so it seems like the biggest couple things from your time in that facility mm-hmm. was, well, one, getting you back to a healthy survival place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you just recognizing that this mm-hmm. was a problem. This is a problem. Right, right. I definitely was, was, I was seeing that, yes, this can kill me. And yeah. just in a very literal sense. Um, I still wrestled with that truth, right? I still would battle it out. How far can I go? You know, that's just the sin of just trying to fix sure. this problem myself and not mm-hmm. take it to God and not fix it in the right way. You know, there were real struggles I was having with things, but this was not the way to fix those. You weren't going to the right. Answers. Right, right. Using my body yeah. to, to fix these things and, and using food and exercise the way that I was was abusive to my body. And and God made my body and God made food. And he, you know, I remember resenting for a long time that I needed food. And, you know, that's such a sin against God because he, he designed our bodies that way. And so it's very sweet to be able to accept that we have a loving creator who not only has given our bodies needs, but has given us what they need in mm-hmm. food and in water. When and in did clothing. you realize that? When did you begin to see yeah. those truths as? Um, it started in the facility that as I would read my Bible, just trying to find any verses to do with food or the body, right? I was seeing a disconnect. Mm-hmm. The Bible is full of, of people who are weak needing to be fed um, mm. It's full of of food being a good thing, right? Mm. And but then also you have those verses in Matthew, you know, um, six twenty five. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? So I would read verses like that and had to be careful because my warped thinking sometimes would be like, see, see, life is more than food. (laughs) (laughs) But the focus in that verse is do not be anxious about Mm. your life, what you will eat or drink. And of course, at this time, I'm so full of fear about Mm. what I'll eat or drink. Mm. I'm terrified about about it and trusting myself with those decisions. And, you know, so sometimes I would read verses and just totally miss the point. And but God used his truth and his word to constantly keep me curious and searching about how do I resolve this? How, how do I match up my life and living and my emotions and my mm-hmm. actions and attitudes? How do I align those with what I'm reading in his word about food and about the body? Mm-hmm. Because I knew they weren't lining up. Well, and ultimately it was fear of yeah. what you would become. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And God was very sweet because he, um, it was a very hard work. Um, and it actually happened after I got out of treatment. It was a couple years later from this point, actually, mm-hmm. that the Lord showed me as much as I was running from being my mother, that I am my mother. I'm a sinner. My mother's a sinner. 
I can't change that. And so the only thing to do is just fall on him when I sin with my children. You know, Mm -hmm. when I lose my temper and I'm impatient or I'm ignorant, I don't even know what to do with this child. I I can't even give them the discipline they need. Um, You know, taking that to God and really letting him have it. Because the sin for me and anorexia was, I was trying to just fix it all on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to, and I would have told you I was taking it to God. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't. I wasn't taking it to God and waiting Mm. for him to give me the wisdom or to give me the help. I was taking it to him as a problem, but then I'm running with it and just, you're like, okay, yeah. I prayed. Yeah. And now yeah. I, just, I need to do something. <laughs> I was impatient. Yeah. I just, yeah. It, God yeah. taught me through this that y- you have to take things to him and wait often. And mm. I never knew that until mm. this, I never waited for anything. I just always figured, I, you know, I have to be doing something always. Um, and so it was him teaching me that, you know, what I really needed to confront was that I am my mother. He also taught me many things about my mother through this. I, um, we've talked about how my time at the facility was lacking in the real spiritual help that I needed. And I, I didn't get that until several years later, two or three relapses later, um, when I sought out pastoral counseling. And can I just say something yeah. briefly here? I think it is important though, that to, to note that you sought some very practical physical help because you your sin had driven you to such a point that you were driving yourself to death mm-hmm. and in our sin sometimes before we get all spiritual <laughs> there's just some really practical things that mm-hmm. must change before you can even begin to address some of those deeper some spiritual of the deeper things. spiritual things mm-hmm. and in the facility it was you actually have to gain weight yeah yeah. yeah, it was. You have to that. eat, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And I think sometimes we want to over spiritualize our sin and just deal with it spiritually and not have these practical steps mm-hmm. of just plain old obedience. I mean, that was in- incredibly important for your just well for your life for survival. Mm-hmm. But then getting you but to then, the next place. Yes, <laughs> but getting you to the next places, you know of actually dealing with deeper deeper things that were happening and primarily spiritual things mm-hmm. that facilities and sometimes other physical things aren't even able to address they're just they're both so important yeah yes yes you're so right and god's word tells us that you know that if someone's hungry or naked right you've got to feed them first or right. clothe them first right. before you can even talk with them about their sin and yeah. so um it, it was very valuable in my life to have this this time in this facility. But I recognized, and again, I, I'm a believer at this point, and I think I just recognized that there was a fight in me that was not physical. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a battle going on there that I couldn't fix by mm-hmm. eating a meal. Mm-hmm. And so that was what kept me searching for just spiritual help. And the tricky thing about eating disorders is getting help that isn't focused on the eating disorder. Um, You know, I had, Mm. when I found a pastor that I could afford to see, um, because he was also a trained, trained Mm -hmm. therapist, but he was not specialized in eating eating disorders. And so I remember my first visit with him, just lining this out, my struggles, my relapses, where I was at now. And listen, you know, I just need, I think there's some things that are wrong in my thinking with God's word. There's just Mm. some misalignments and I I can't see them. I don't know what they are. Mm. Um, But 
I need help. This is the last piece. This is the missing piece to me being well and not continuing to return to this Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm still, I'm well for a while using the the skills and things that I've learned in the Mm -hmm. facility, right? And just bare bare bones, hanging off a cliff sometimes, just Mm -hmm. eating anyway, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of that going on every day. And, you know, it's very, very hard for me. Um, And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. Did you have anybody in your life that you would just call on to be like, could you please... Yeah, yeah. I had one dear, dear friend. She could take all this ugliness, right? She could bear with me. And so many other people just, they could not. They shut me out and they didn't understand. And I was difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but but God just blessed her with um, courage. And honestly, she didn't do a lot more than just listen. I mean, day or night, it didn't matter when I needed her. Mm -hmm. I could just pick up the phone and call her and just tell her. And she didn't always have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But she would point to God. She would point to Scripture. There were many, many times where I was in such turmoil about just eating, eating my meal, or or um, being out in public. Just I remember sometimes just getting dressed and leaving my home for the day to go to work. I would just be so mortified. I just felt so naked and vulnerable, mm-hmm. and um, because my perception of myself is just so wrong and different. I mean, I felt as if every sin and weakness and failure in me was just hanging Exposed, off. Yeah. yeah, everyone could see all this ugliness and and just wanting to hide that and cover up mm. as best I could. And so, you know, this friend, when I'd be so paralyzed by fear over that, or, you know, I can't eat, I've got to lose weight, I could just call her and and say, can you please pray? I just feel, I'm just under attack right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just so hounded, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, she would tell me if she thought something was alive, Satan, that I would say to her, she would just tell me, Tracy, that's alive, the devil. And mm-hmm. praise God that, mm-hmm. you know, she yeah, was able she to say, say those things yeah. to me um, because they were lifelines to cling to. That is not truth. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to start discerning in my mind all these thoughts, what was true and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'd never had that kind of instruction or teaching in my life. Because um, sitting down to eat, yeah. you would just have these mental battles about... Yeah. Yeah, fears. You're going to get diabetes. You're yeah. going to get overweight. You're going to get diabetes. Because for me, the weight gain was wrapped up with this fear of getting diabetes or looking like my mother, right? But this friend was very dear, and, and I could just call her up and ask her to pray. Something else she did for me, and I, I wouldn't... God just used this mightily for me, but she was someone I could be completely vulnerable with. I remember after one relapse, and I mean, I knew the weight. I knew I was pretty much back where I was before I went into treatment, and I was able to just go to her and I literally, I said, I know this is going to sound really strange, but can I just show you my body? Like, mm-hmm. can you just tell me if I'm okay? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I could just do that. I could just undress and she could just say, no, honey, you're too, mm-hmm. I shouldn't see this and I shouldn't see that. And she mm-hmm. could just point to yeah. places, right? I shouldn't see these bones. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't see. And it was such, it was such a comforting healing thing that God used yeah. for me, right? Oh, to have another yeah. woman, yeah. yeah, you know, my husband can't do that for me. Um, <laughs> has to be a woman, I think, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, just to be able to say, you know, no, this isn't right. And so then I would realize, mm-hmm. okay, okay, I've got to eat more. I've got to like try to get some. And so sometimes that would, would pull me back, right? How precious. Yeah, it was so, yeah. so, so sweet. So much in the, in the yeah. ditch with you. Yeah. That is so sweet. So you started going to a Christian counselor. Finally, I found a pastor that I was able to afford, and he was about a 45-minute hour drive from my house. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm, I'm willing because this I need, I need some spiritual healing and truths, right, mm-hmm. to pierce through this ongoing battle in my mm-hmm. life because it's not over. And 
I've got, you know, all the therapy in Missouri at that facility. They were telling my husband, you know, she may struggle all her life with this. And, I, you know, I'm rejecting that on a, on a very spiritual level because, no, I believe God is mighty and God's the great physician and he can heal. At this point, I'm recognizing that, okay, I have all the fears and things that I'm afraid of that drove me to it, right? And then I have my sinful response. And then I have... um this battle of trying to let it, my comfort and security not be wrapped up in food choices. So it, there's so many pieces to this and so many things going on. And I really do just want to be rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that hard work of dealing with all of the things that drove me to it in the first place and trying to sort those out rightly. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted this pastor to be able to help me with, you know, using God's word. And so in that very first visit, I just laid it all out for him. And as soon as I said, you know, anorexia, whoa, the brakes went on. He, you know, I am not qualified. Um, I really am not comfortable proceeding. And I, I just, I was just honest with him. And I said, I understand that. And I hear you, but I need Christian counseling. Mm -hmm. I need it. And I don't want to talk about food. Mm -hmm. I've had all that (laughs) counseling and therapy and I've talked about nutrition and I know, Mm -hmm. you know, what I'm supposed to eat every day. And and I, this is not for that. These visits would be to talk about all the things that have happened to me and, and, and how to sort that out and the truths about God and his word and my body and food. And like, to, I just yeah. need that kind of focus. Mm-hmm. And so we made a plan, you know, he, he heard me, heard my spirit. You know, I think God just softened him, right, mm-hmm. to, to be willing to continue, uh, even though it seemed risky to him. But he, we set a plan that, you know, he would see me as long as my weight stayed stable. And if I got to a certain point where he was concerned that, you know, he would refer me on. And I was fine with that because, again, it would help with accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I could continue seeing him, mm-hmm. which is just was so precious to me. And even from the first visit, his speech was so filled with grace and just truths from God's word. And just honestly, it was just lots and lots of grace. Yeah. You know, I had been so hard on myself for so long and, and, um, just to have some grace, right? To live with those failures, because that's the whole point. I wasn't living with my failures. I was killing myself because yeah. of my failures, yeah. right? Yeah, trying to fix things that yeah. I have no power to really fix. Only God can heal. Uh, when you've hurt someone, you know, only God can heal that. And 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 I, my response is to be repentant and humble and to turn to Him with trust. Um, when someone hurts me, right? I I can only respond by being willing to forgive them because I'm a sinner, just like they're a sinner and trust that God will heal me, right? Heal the hurt that they've caused me, that God will help them not do it again. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we really are all in the same boat, struggling day in and day out in the mud with our sins and how they affect us and how they affect others. And you were striving so hard not to be your mother, you know, not forgiving your mother for the way she had treated Mm -hmm. you. And it translated over into mm-hmm. beating yourself up, you know, right. and not being able to find forgiveness for your own sins. Mm-hmm. And so right. like right. at the heart of all of this was like this desperate need for forgiveness on multiple yep. levels. Yeah. And I would have told you, you know, at this point, I mean, I'd given my life to Christ, you know, sure. I trusted him for forgiveness of sins, but that's the clincher, right? I trusted him to forgive all my sins, but I wasn't daily acknowledging that forgiveness, Mm -hmm. right? And really letting him have it. You Mm -hmm. know, I was like those monks 
that beat themselves. Yeah, I was trying right. to work this out in my yes. flesh. Yeah. And what a sin that is against God Almighty who sent his son to die once and for all. I mean, he abolished sin. I don't have to do it. <laughs> it's not for me. I can't. And and so I. that was one of those spiritual truths that I had to learn, right? That I was not, even though I read it in his word and I would have told you I knew it, I was not living it out. Mm-hmm. So there was that disconnect. And so there were many things like that in my counseling with this pastor. One of the things God also did for me through this counseling, he gave me a better understanding of my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped me understand that abuse. I learned things through this counseling with him right off the bat. The very first session, he gave me a questionnaire to take home and fill out. And he said, Tracy, I need you to take this home. I want you to answer these questions about your mother. You know, it was, I don't know, 30 some questions or more. And it would ask you things about, what they did with food and did they gamble and, you know, were they promiscuous and all these very detailed questions. Um, And I just remember reading that at home and trying to answer them. Most of them were no, no, no. There was a couple yeses. And I was very conflicted. I had had another appointment with him a few days later and I'm just wrestling over this questionnaire. God, I don't understand, you know, why all these answers are no. What's he thinking? Where's he going with this? And, And then as I kept praying and trying to understand God. I just very quietly heard him say to me one day, fill it out for your grandma, my mom's mom. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and everything was a yes. There was like two no's. Mm-hmm. So it was night and day, total flip difference, mm-hmm. you know, from my mom to my grandma. And so I took it back to him at my next visit and I said, hey, listen, I just have to let you know, I I tried to fill this out for my mom, um, but most of the answers were no. There was just a couple yeses and um but I, I prayed about it and I felt God tell me to fill it out for my grandma. And I did. And everything was nearly a yes. I'm like, what does this mean? You know, mm-hmm. I'm asking him for answers. And, and so it was a reactive attachment um, disorder questionnaire. And so he had picked up on things in our first session that I had talked about and shared about my upbringing with my mother that he clearly recognized that there was a problem, you know, mm-hmm. that there was something wrong. And while he suspected it from my mother, the truth came out that it was my grandmother who was so, so disturbed. Um, and then, of course, that's my mom's mom, right? Mm-hmm. So my mom was raised by, you know, my grandmother who um, was was a very selfish uh, woman. I mean, just a very men- mentally selfish, beyond any type of selfish that you would think of. It just a, a true mental mm-hmm. break in her psyche um, that she just could not think of anyone else but herself. Um, mm-hmm. And just many, many issues there um, with how she related to her children and her husband. And, and I only know a few things, right? I wasn't raised right. by mm-hmm. my grandmother. I... My mom didn't talk about it, certainly. And so God gave me such comfort in that moment to be raised by my mother, (laughs) because as many things as she got wrong, Mm -hmm. it could have been worse. Like I could have been raised by my grandmother. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it. I, I was able to recognize that she about maybe she had been. Yeah. 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 She made Mm -hmm. some improvements perhaps over her own upbringing, Mm -hmm. you know, just in some areas. Right. You know, um, so I just, it was a kindness to me to be able to learn. And at this point too, my thinking hadn't been about her upbringing. I hadn't ever thought about what she had gone through. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly, you know, she didn't know how to be a good mom, but did I ever ask why, you know, Mm -hmm. why was that? And so that's what this counseling was able to give me was just a better understanding. And then of course I'm right away seeing myself, you know, 
She isn't a great mom and why, and I'm not a great mom, right? I have my struggles with my children and, and why, and yeah, okay. We are the same. Like that started helping me see that I am my mother. And that was, that was very freeing actually. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a freeing thing to be able to face that and know that the difference between her and I is I have a heavenly father, holy God that Mm -hmm. I can run to with my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother didn't do that. She, Mm -hmm. she would not acknowledge her weaknesses and she was never wrong. You know, it was always somehow your fault. And so that's the, that's where we break. You know, that's the difference. I am my mother to a point, but I have something that she didn't have. I have more um, Mm -hmm. to help me, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that she just didn't have. You were redeemed and God was redeeming you and continued to redeem you. Mm-hmm. And it still is. And still <laughs> is redeeming yeah. you. Yeah. And there really is freedom in being able to see ourselves who we, for who we are and what we are. And it makes perfect sense for you to say, I found freedom and yeah. being able to see I am my mother. Yeah. Because then you can deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> then you can yeah. be like, okay, these are my sins too. And when you're finally seeing it, how God wants as you God to sees see it. it. Yeah. 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 And uh, up to this point, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I take everything to God now. And I would have told you before all this that I thought I was. Right. But I wasn't. I was dealing with a lot of it on my own, trying to yeah. fix it on my own, keeping it, you know. This was a time of God filtering and refining and, and healing some things in me um, to bring me closer to himself, to free me of mm. this disordered eating um, because he saw where it began, right? Yeah. yeah. So how long was this that yeah. you began to gra- grapple and grasp this truth that was able to really free you? Right. So the the struggle with anorexia um, began most strongly in 2011 um and then even though i came home in 2012 and was was all right for a while i relapsed that year and then i relapsed just about every year after um i'd have periods where i'd i'd be eating in a healthier way and then i would just something would happen and i'd lose it all and every time that that happened there was always certain um feelings or events or memories, right, that mm-hmm. would drive me back to this sin. And at the time, I'm not seeing it as sin, right? I'm just seeing it as a comfort and a way to get out of these awful feelings and emotions. And so every time I relapsed, it was another chance for me to just turn to God and just ask him, you know, why, what, why do I feel this way? What, mm-hmm. because some of these were memories that would surface over colors I would see or certain mm-hmm. clothes I would wear, I would trigger memories. And then I would mm-hmm. have these awful feelings all of a sudden of shame and trying to deal with that. And then I would always revert to the restrictive eating mm-hmm. to fix the shame, right? It just was this awful pattern and it kept resurfacing. And so that was what the Christian counselor, the past, the pastor I was seeing was able to help me with when I would relapse, we could flesh out those memories. And for him, it was very simple. He's like, well, just don't do that or avoid that thing. And, you know, again, we get back to these <laughs> tangible things, yeah. you know, so for a while I had to get rid of certain colors out of my closet. I had to get rid of certain material types um, because they would, they were hard for me. Um, and so 
this all continued. I still struggled back and forth like a teeter-totter, kind of a seesaw. Um, but I'm moving forward, right? I'm moving forward with hope because I have mm-hmm. this Christian counselor. The eating disorder facility gave me a lot of practical tools. You know, I, I saw a dietitian for a time when I came home from there. And so I have, God has given me all of these resources. In 2017, that was probably the first year that I, I maintained my weight that I didn't relapse, that God had had grown me right to a point where my weight just stayed the same for a whole year. And that was a miracle to me at this Mm -hmm. point, right? I mean, a miracle um, for so many reasons, because I didn't change it. Like I was just okay with it. And I say that, but trust me, I was not okay with it. (laughs) I wanted to change it every single day, right? Of that year. I just, and um, one of the therapists that I did see um, before I started the Christian counseling, I God used her to speak just one nugget, right, of truth that mm-hmm. was so helpful to me. But I remember being in a session with her and talking about all these voices in my head and mm-hmm. the chatter and, you know, when I go to eat, all the guilt and when I eat, the guilt and what I've got to do after I eat because of the guilt, right, just mm-hmm. all this on me. And I just remember her looking at me and she had suffered with anorexia herself before she became a therapist to help. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and said, have you ever thought to just tell the voices, shut up? or, hey, nope, yep, I hear you, I'm going to eat anyway. Mm. Or have you ever thought to just ignore them? (laughs) And it was like a light bulb just went (laughs) off in my brain. And then I was shocked and horrified and wondering, like, why hadn't someone told me this years ago? (laughs) Like, what? I can do that? It was just giving me permission. And, And I like to think I'm somewhat intelligent god has given me some level of intelligence (laughs) but why that idea had never occurred to me right it's just evidence of my blindness and my Mm -hmm. sin but god used this woman to give me just this precious freedom Mm -hmm. and permission to just tell those voices to take a hike you know (laughs) i hear you but i'm ignoring you Mm -hmm. and literally honestly a lot of times that's all it was that got me through a meal right Mm -hmm. i hear you but i'm ignoring you and then just this blind trust that it was going to be okay and Mm -hmm. how many times i would go to god and say is it going to be okay if i eat is it going to be okay if i gain weight is it going to be okay and the real truth is that we don't always know if it's going to be okay Mm -hmm. you know we don't we don't have that guarantee Mm -hmm. we don't we're just asked to trust him, mm-hmm. right? Though he slay us, we are to trust him, mm-hmm. good and bad. And mm-hmm. so this really was what that was for me every day, just on a fundamental level. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying work to trust. Um, mm-hmm. But God, every time I trusted, was able to step forward just with this blind faith and trust. He always was there and is mm-hmm. there. And so then that builds this confidence, right? Yeah. This this mm-hmm. faith in this loving God who you can trust. And then as I would look back at things he had done in my life and, and, you know, brought me through um, and made a way for me when I thought there was no way, all of those things, right. Just keep pointing to his faithfulness. And so it's just bit by bit reminding myself and then connecting that to food. Cause you know, for a long time there was just a disconnect. I wasn't tying food in to faithfulness, right. In, in mm-hmm. all the areas of my life. And so in 2017, um, it was just this culmination of all the things that had happened to that point. And I just maintained and I was okay with it and just trying to trust God and not change my weight Mm -hmm. and not fix it. And then, you know, fast forward, here we are, 2020, um, 2018, 2019, my weight stayed the same. 2019, I picked up a couple more pounds. And so I'm still, I'm in this new phase of like, okay, 
am I okay with this? You know, mm-hmm. and just eating every day and not trying to change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still an ongoing work. Um, 2017, I think, was actually the first year that I told myself it was a sin. And so I think mm-hmm. that is not a coincidence that it was also the first year that I didn't change my weight. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that piece was critical mm-hmm. for me to be truly free of the the lies with, yeah. with this that you know it is not a good thing it does not do good things for mm-hmm. me right it's just a lie mm-hmm. um well when you started telling us about when you went to the facility you said or when you started trying to lose weight um that new year's resolution you said i'm just not thrilled with my my yeah. weight and so i'm gonna exercise and like that's just how lies yeah. creep in from yeah. as, from Satan. Is they're yeah. they're so subtle they're and so subtle. you know creep in. Cre- you know? Yeah. yeah, they just creep. Yeah. You they know, do. yeah, and, and they have a measure of truth, right? I mean, right. now I did not need to lose weight technically, but could I make better food choices? Oh well, we always almost always could. We couldn't. Right. Maybe right. I don't know. Exercise, okay. Maybe there's always adjustments we can make there. I don't know. So there's a little nugget Mm -hmm. of truth in there, and then you, Satan runs with it. And Mm -hmm. so your relationship with with scripture and reading scripture and that shedding light on on your your journey through food and struggles Mm -hmm. with that. What are there specific verses or things that have really changed your thinking and? Because the Bible talks so much about food. So like you talked earlier about sometimes reading verses and sort of twisting them um, to support your sin in a way. Um, So so how does your relationship with food versus in the Bible change? Right. So um, and all of these experiences and giving me a greater understanding of my mother and giving me healing from that it all led to good things in my life, right? Grace and and trusting him and the verse in Psalm 34a, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Verses that talked about tasting always struck me. Um, and I think it's amazing how it really is true. Taste and see that the Lord is good. On days when I couldn't make food good, it didn't matter what I did. The Lord is good. Mm-hmm. If I can just taste him, mm-hmm. then he's good. And blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And sometimes God just fixed things because I went to him. Mm-hmm. No other reason than I just went to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he made it okay that day or that meal or that snack or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And over time, enough of that happening over time, he made food good for me. Mm-hmm. It was not a work I could have done myself. It was entirely his work as I trusted in him to do it in me. And that's the hard part because for so long, I, there were times I didn't want to get rid of this. I didn't want to be rid of it. It felt safe to me. It felt good. And I wanted to hold on to it because I'm weak and I live in this flesh. It, it is a sin I have to be aware of and I have to guard, mm-hmm. be on guard with mm-hmm. it. The difference now and from before before I just kind of fell into it. Um, if I went to this sin again, it would be very um, intentional. Yeah. I would know. I would know what I was doing. I would know what will happen. And I would know that I'm grieving God. And I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. The other verse in Psalm 34 is, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. Mm-hmm. And 
you talked about not having brightness before, but I don't think mm-hmm. anybody can deny your radiance mm-hmm. because you look to the Lord. So with My Soul Among Lions, they had you come and sing with them that Psalm 34. Yeah. How was that for you? Oh, it was a great blessing in my life. Uh, One of the most fun things I've ever done. I love singing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a true gift to be asked to help on that song, and I'll remember it my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it was I was singing, and it was fine. Um, but then they stretched me a little bit when they asked me to sing the second verse on my own um, because I much prefer singing with other people. So when, when Jody, I think it was Jody that first suggested I sing the second verse, uh, you know, of course I wanted to respectfully decline, um, <laughs> but he told me, you know, this was what I was doing and, and I was fine to submit to that uh, in terror. <laughs> so, but he had no idea what he was asking of yeah, you, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he might have seen it in my face. I don't know. Maybe. I tried to be clear. But they didn't know your story. Yeah. No, yeah. no. And again, so those words, you know, taste and see, taste and see, forever faithful he will be, you yeah. know. And I thought to myself, oh, they have no idea what this means to me. Mm. Can I even sing it and get yeah. through it without crying? And I remember a few times in recording, Phil was like, you know, well, you sound you sounded happy before. Now you sound sad. And so it's so hard when you're singing <laughs> these songs that have such deep truths yeah. that sometimes there's going to be this mix, right? You, yeah, you sing right. one line and all these memories come back to you and yeah. of God's faithfulness. And yeah. it's just happiness mixed with sorrow and pain yeah. and suffering. But the but that line in particular was so very precious, and I know it was not a coincidence that they asked me to sing that alone, and I just prayed to God immediately for strength, help me get through it. I you know I I wanted it to be nice, and so I just prayed that God would give me strength. And then after it was all over, right, we've recorded it. Then I was able to just kind of drop them a line and copy their wives just to say, hey, you just need to know what this verse means to me. You know that God taught me this, that He is good, and and that I think I mentioned how many ever many years ago I was dying from anorexia you know and that you know let the redeemed of the Lord say so you know this is what he has done in my life and and I'm so so grateful I don't think I'll ever stop being grateful <laughs> listen children hear my voice I will teach you holy fear let your soul God rejoice, take these words and hold them dear. May your tongue from evil flee, and your lips not speak deceit. Turn away from wicked deeds, walk the path that
Monumental is hosted by Katie Walker and Amy Molina. It's produced and edited by Katie Walker. And it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Mensel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles and other podcasts, please visit warhornmedia.com. <laughs>